Hey, it's Keith here, inviting you to imagine that Live from the Lounge is actually live and that you're with us in person. Sounds nice, right? You got a cool summer drink in your hand, you're swaying to the music, laughing a little, and we come to the moment in the show where we pass around a hat and ask you to share with us as we've shared with you. How much would you put in the hat? 10, 20, 100 bucks? There's no judgment, no pressure. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll consider dropping a little something in our virtual hat at livefromthelounge.podcast.com. The donate button's right at the top of the landing page. It's quick and easy, and it's greatly appreciated. Hey there. Welcome to the lounge. As the poet Nipsey Russell once said, spring has sprung, fall has fell, it's finally July, and it's hotter than anything I can imagine. I hope you're keeping cool, though, wherever you may be. Don't forget to grab a hat when you go outside and be sure to lather up with sunscreen. Or maybe just grab a tall sun tee, hit the hammock, kick back and lounge with us for the next hour or so. We've got stories, songs and conversations, all intuitively designed to help you groove with the rhythms of the season. It's time to get outside and play. So this month's lounge is going to explore the unique rite of passage that is summer camp. We'll attempt to recreate a virtual summer campfire with stories and songs both familiar and new. John Ballinger will lead us in a rousing sing-along, and we hope you will do exactly that. We'll introduce you to, or remind you of, the greatest summer camp movie of all time, and we'll pair it with a recipe that comes straight from the title. The Burglars of Ham are back with a cautionary tale for any of you who are sending your kids to camp for the first time. Be careful what you wish for. Just might come true. Later, I'll wonder how it is we still send our kids off to camp in the first place when it can't possibly be safe to do so. And I'll reintroduce you to a campfire classic that's sadly fallen out of fashion. And Double Batch Daddy are here to celebrate our uniqueness and our togetherness in song. So, here we are. Summer is starting to heat up. Sunrise in Los Angeles today came at 5.42, and it won't set until a little after 8 o'clock this evening. Happy Independence Day. I hope you'll take a moment to reflect on the words the American forefathers brought forward almost 250 years ago. Here's a section that I like. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Yeah, elections matter. Side note, when I see the American framers write all men, I accept that simply means all of us. Then there's an enumeration of grievances, a small paragraph with an embarrassing reference to Indian savages, ugh. and we close with this. We, in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are, and of right ought to be, free and independent states. 
that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved. As Bugs Bunny might say, Of course you realize this means war. I hope I speak for all of us when I say that I'll take the barrages, batteries, mines, and salutes of a Fourth of July fireworks show over those of an actual war any day. Fireworks have all the thrill of war without any of the bloodshed. I like a big, bright explosion as much as anyone, but I want to share them with you next year, too. Do you know what other holiday often features fireworks? New Year's, especially in China. The bright lights and loud noises are meant to frighten away evil spirits. And July, like its sister January, starts with a bang, and it's a good time to take stock. How are your plans coming along? Are there weeds in your personal garden that need to be pulled up so you can continue to grow? Do you need an extra shot of nourishment, a retreat to the mountains or the ocean or a nearby lake? Or maybe you could use a seminar to expand your skill set. Growth continues through July and August. The novelty of warm weather is wearing off. It's turned hot. And it's going to be hot for a while before things cool down again. Be careful not to burn out. But don't be afraid to burst forth like the brocades, chrysanthemums, crocettes, dahlias, farfales, palm trees, peonies, crackling rain, and waterfalls in your local firework display. You just got to ignite the light and let it shine. Just own the night like the 4th of July. Because baby... You know where I'm going with this. Do you ever feel like a plastic bag Drifting through the wind, wanting to start again? Do you ever feel or feel so paper thin Like a house of cards, one blow from caving in? Do you ever feel already buried deep or Six feet on the screens, but no one seems to hear a thing Do you know that there's still a chance for you there's a spark in you You just gotta ignite The light And let It shine Just all The night Like the fourth of July Cause baby you're a firework Come on show them what you're worth Make them go Just don't the night.
mama, I'll show them what you were. Make them go out as you shoot across the sky. Oh, baby, you're a Summertime means the return of that all-American rite of passage, sleepaway camp. For many campers, this will be the first time they've spent a single night away from their parents, much less several weeks. Let's face it, few among us are ready for personal growth when it is thrust upon us. 11-year-old Kevin Parker is no exception to that rule. Standing on the steps of his cabin at Camp Sunflower, clutching his backpack like a life preserver, he can't believe his parents are abandoning him in this God-forsaken wilderness for six long weeks. Aw, oh, come on, bud. You're going to be okay. You're going to love it here. You'll see. No, I won't. Do you need a tissue, honey? Are you allergic? I don't have allergies. I don't want to stay here. Now, come on, buddy. It's natural to be a little nervous, but you got to toughen up. You're not a little kid anymore. Please take me home. You know... I hated summer camp at first, but now, when I look back on it, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I grew up a lot that summer. That's right, and I think you learned some new skills, too, didn't you? Oh, sure. Like how to make a fire and... Um... Well, there's just so much to learn. Crafts, yodeling... I don't want to yodel! Hey, buddy, you gotta toughen up, okay? Don't be a baby. Honey... Look, bud, all I'm saying is give it a chance and I bet you'll end up having a good time. He's right, honey. You'll see. Okay, come here and give me a hug. Mm. You're my brave little guy. You're our strong little man, okay? High five. You got this. Time will fly by before you know it. Six weeks later... Are you sure this is the spot where we're supposed to meet him? I mean, it has to be. Look at all the other families. Well, where's Kevin? I'm sure he's here. Oh, let's get the sign ready. Yeah, sure. Maybe this counselor knows where he is. Excuse me, sorry to bother you. Hey. Hey. Uh, Yeah, we're Kevin Parker's parents, and we're not seeing him out here. Would you happen to know where he is? Dad, it's me. Kevin? Hey, Mom. You look well. I do? Kevin, you... Look very different. Huh. Well, the last few weeks have been pretty transformative, I guess. You're significantly taller. Uh huh. And you have a full beard. You like it? I do not. Got it. Well, let's table that topic till later. Are you ready to go? Uh, sure. Wait, uh, I gotta say goodbye to someone. I'll be right back. That is Kevin, right? I believe that is our son, who is kissing a young woman. Wow. That is very... It's very intimate. 
Yes. All right, I'm ready. Hey, let me see the sign. Oh, yeah, I, I made you a... Let's see, it says, Welcome home to our superhero. And there's Iron Man. Aw. That's really cute. Great. Well, let's, uh, get going. Your room and your dirt bike, all your stuff, it's just as you left it. Ryan's been by a couple times. He'll be so excited for you to get back. Great. Does anyone have any Kleenex? Sure. Here you go. There's no shame in it, son. In what? Uh, feeling emotional. <laughs> it's not that. I suspect I have a little summer cold. Probably from the challenge camp we did last week. Got down to the 30s at night. Wow. Burr. They had you sleeping outside in freezing weather? It was fine. Well, I don't remember anything about that in the brochure. It did get a little hairy, to tell you the truth. At night, some kind of large predator circled our tent. I don't mind telling you, we were pretty nervous, but eventually it went away. We had packed all our food into bear lockers, so eventually lost interest. My God. Yeah. The tracks in the morning were tough to identify due to the heavy rain, but we think it was a bear or a cougar. I mean, those tracks were big, so probably a bear. Oh my god, I don't even want to think about it. It's no big deal. These are the things you have to deal with as a brave little guy. <laughs> okay, well... Well, I am going to speak to them about that because... Because don't. you could have been killed. Mom, leave it. I dealt with it like a brave little man. So, I, uh... Couldn't help but notice you hugging an awfully cute little camper as we were leaving. That's a change. You used to think girls were yucky. Come on, bud, you can tell us. I think someone's got a little crush. Do you have a little girlfriend? What's her name, bud? Deborah. Nice name. Will you see her again? Well, um... I guess you could say we're exclusive. Oh, well... I think you may be a little young for that. But I love her. Oh, okay. How was the camp food? I know they eat pretty healthy up there. I suppose you'd be all right if we stopped at Shakey's on the way home? Actually, I was thinking I could make dinner. I caught some trout this morning and got them cleaned up. I was thinking an almondine with a light salad. Do we have arborio rice? I don't know what that is. For risotto. Oh. I don't know. I, I guess we could stop at a store. Okay. Bud, are you mad at us? Mad at you? I just offered to make dinner. Right. So, your little friend. Deborah. Yes. I think it's great that you like her. And, you know, you have plenty of time to get to know each other. You don't need to be... So... Why don't you tell us how you and Deborah met? I mean, what can I tell you? We are we were on the same kickball team. We got to talking. We found we had a lot in common. Rest is history. Well, what do you have in common? Well, we both like kickball. We don't like falseness or duplicity. But if I had to pick the trait that really binds us, I'd have to say it's a shared sense of grief. Grief? What do you mean, bud? I think the grief is rooted in a growing understanding of the ecological devastation unfolding across the planet. That, and I guess, 
starting to grasp all the things that were available to previous generations that won't be available for me and my children. Got it. Thanks for sharing. You know, if, if you're ever feeling sad, you can talk to your dad and me. That's all right. Deborah and I process our grief through our words and through our lovemaking. Excuse me? What did you just say? No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't worry, Mom. We're being safe. What? Neither of us is ready to start a family. Yet. Okay, okay, that's enough funny guy. I don't know what's so funny about preventing unwanted pregnancies, but to each his own, I guess. No, 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 no. I, I don't like this. What's wrong? Are you okay, honey? You are only 11. You do not make love. You do not make dinner, for that matter. I, I make dinner. And Dad protects you from bears and cougars. What your mother is saying, I think, is that you seem to have undergone some rather profound changes during camp. Isn't that what you wanted? Yes, but... I mean, I didn't learn to yodel, but I did learn other things. I just feel like I missed it. I put in all this work. All this sacrifice. All the late nights, the sprained ankles, the stomach flus, the teacher conferences, and, and this... This is a jip! Mom, you may not be aware, that's a derogatory phrase. So that's all. That's it then. It's over, and I missed it. You're still my parents. That hasn't changed. Yes, but I have this profound sense that you don't need me in the same way you used to. Do you want me to need you? Well, yes, I, I think I do. Dad? I... Uh, I mean, you're our little man, but you're our little man. You know what I mean? Hmm. I see. So you want me to need you? Uh, like Mom, uh, I'd have to say, uh... Okay. Oh. Oh my goodness. Okay. Okay, great. Thanks, bud. Yes. Thank you, Kevin. Do you still want to make us dinner? No, that's okay. You want to stop at Shakey's? I just want to go home. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. You want to ride bikes tomorrow? Sure, Dad. Whatever you want. Okay. You know Al Gore is the former vice president of the United States, but did you remember that he's also an Oscar winner? The 2006 film An Inconvenient Truth won the Oscar for Best Documentary of 2006. In it, Mr. Gore presented a slideshow that explained the science behind climate change. In the 14 years since his Oscar win, Mr. Gore and his scientific advisors have been constantly updating that slideshow with the most current information on the science, on the insane weather events happening all over the world, but also on the positive changes taking place that give reasons for optimism. Now, what if I told you you could get your very own presentation of this new slideshow by someone personally trained by former Vice President Gore? What if I told you they could present to your club, church, community group, or any other gathering you could think of, small or large? What if I told you they could present it over Zoom and that they'd do it for free? Well, it's all true. 
And all you have to do to schedule a presentation is email your request to the Los Angeles chapter of the Climate Reality Project at laclimatereality at gmail.com. That's laclimatereality at gmail.com. And to learn more about all the other wonderful work happening in the L.A. chapter of the Climate Reality Project, visit www.laclimatereality.org. Fried ham, fried ham, cheese and bologna, and after the macaroni we'll have onions, pickles and pretzels, and then we'll have some more fried ham, fried ham, fried ham. Second verse, same as the first. British accent, whole lot worse. Fried ham, fried ham, cheese and bologna. I was a summer camp counselor at a Sherwood Forest camp. And the first thing that they had the kids do when they showed up at Sherwood Forest camp was to give themselves a Sherwood Forest name, which was a part of your name, the letter O, and then something funny. So, for example, I had a friend who was really strong, and he called himself Paul O. Bunyan. Uh, There was a girl who was very clever who called herself Loreo Cookie. Uh, My name was Far O'Near, which is also my Twitter handle. Uh, And so all the kids get together and they're getting clever. And this one little shy kid comes up to me and he says, Far O'Near, I can't think of a good name for myself. I said, okay, what's your name? He goes, Ty. Oh, that's easy. How about Ty O'Not? And he gave me this look that was like, what the heck are you talking about? And by this time, all the tunics and hats were gone. His was the last one left. It's like, hurry up. You got to go. Tie not. It's a great name. Trust me. Get out of here. Go. Three minutes later, he comes back wearing the last tunic and the last hat in all of Sherwood Forest with the name Todd O. Not printed on it. Michael Rowe. few things I remember about my first summer camp experience. First of all, I was five years old and I really wanted to go to this camp that was outside of Chicago and I wasn't of age. You had to be seven years old. So my mom, being the resourceful person she always was, she got herself hired as the camp nurse. And so then she got to bring me along as her son and we spent the summer at this amazing, wonderful summer camp. There are some things that have definitely changed over the years. I googled this camp uh, to just see, if, and it's still around. And one thing that does not appear in any of the advertisements is their snake pit. We used to have a snake pit, and the counselors would jump down into this, like, cement pit, and they would hand you a, they would p- pick up a garter snake, and they would hand it to you that you could play with. Another thing that does not seem anywhere in the promotional catalogs is the firing range. I turned six years old while I was uh, in camp, and for my sixth birthday, I was given a box of 100 rounds to fire off with the rifle. And even though I'm not the biggest fan of guns, that was pretty cool. I was so excited my sophomore year to be a counselor for a sleepaway camp, and I was given the five-year-olds. The second day, we were going to be doing the tug-of-war in the mud pit. The five-year-olds were going against the six-year-olds. We get to the mud pit, and we see that it is a eight-foot 
by eight foot deep mud, mud pit that you would have to fall into if you lost. So anyway, we start this tug of war and, um, and we of course are losing and I have a hold of the rope and I have all the five-year-olds uh, like holding the rope and all of a sudden I get tugged into the mud, but the kids don't want to get muddy and so they start climbing up my body (laughs) to not get into the mud they keep pounding on my behind my knees to jump up to my shoulders and onto my head to escape the mud as I fall smack into the mud as kids run over my body to get to the other side it was just horrifying but none of the kids got muddy uh, besides me (laughs) and my knee uh, starts to swell the size of a water balloon a watermelon and um and that was the end of my camp experience because you know as soon as my knee became so huge they had a call for the helicopter to come airlift me out and I got airlifted out which was really cool I'd never been in a helicopter before down by the bay down by the bay where the watermelons grow where the watermelons grow back to my home back to my home I would not go I would not go I love summer camp. I've been involved in summer camps, leading summer camps, and of course being a participant. And to this day when I hear summer camp, I always remember back my first week away from home without mom and dad started with a 45 minute car ride to the harbor over two hours on the ocean to get to Catalina Island. I had some friends with me, but I met a lot of new people. I was out of my normal routine and I fell in love with it. It was super fun, crazy fun activities to do, but because it was a church camp, I also had moments to go deep, moments to contemplate, think about life, the meaning of life. I found my faith there at camp, became part of that camp high for me. And camp was so awesome, so fun. And then I have to go back to the real world. And I remember discussing that while I was there one time and a counselor told me, oh, no, no. This right here is the real world. This little slice of heaven, just own it. I got joy like a fountain. I got joy like a fountain. I got joy like a fountain in my soul. I got joy like a fountain. I got joy like a fountain. Um, I never went to a traditional summer camp somewhere deep in the woods. Uh, I went to day camps, specifically arts camps every summer. So uh, I was either at Marywood Music Camp or Arts Alive, two of the big arts offerings in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And I don't really remember specific events or things happening. Uh, Well, there was an Equus monologue, but 
anyway, uh, it's the people that I met. Um, I think of my friend Heather, who walked in the door the first day with big chunky glasses and a pink pixie cut and a chainmail bra that she just casually wore over her shirt. I think of my friend Kelly, who the first words I ever heard out of her mouth were her threatening another girl, saying, If you do that again, I swear to Christ I'm going to spit on you. She became my girlfriend through a lot of high school. Uh, There was my friend Tony, who had a filthy sense of humor, but a beautiful singing voice. And he had a perm that he was always trying to tell us that his mom made him get, but I don't know if I believe him. It was those people that really made it special, because I was away from my public school, and I got to meet people who actually were like me, and I knew that I wasn't a freak. There was an island of misfit toys, and I was just one of them. So it was always great to be able to go to that island for a few weeks every summer. There was this kid named Ziggy, and he liked to hide in places where kids usually wouldn't hide. And and I have to tell you that this kid is like six foot. He's like a string bean. He's very, very skinny, but he's very, very tall. So you wouldn't think that he'd be able to hide in these places that we would find him, but, you know, we'd find him hiding in, like, cupboards. Like, we'd find him under the sink. And one of my favorite ones was I I walked, there was, like, a hallway behind the stage where the kids would perform, and there was, like, a wall, like, a section of a wall where it was kind of, like, a hollowed-out wall, and I had, like, a little, like, grate. I remember one time I was walking by, I was walking by the hallway, and I see these two kids, like, staring at this grate. And I was like, what are you guys doing? And they were like, they looked at me and they were like, I think Ziggy's in the wall. Sure enough, the grate has been removed from like its place. And there's like a little hole in the wall, like three (laughs) by three. So it's like, how the hell did Ziggy get there? He can't be in the wall. So I stick my head in the wall and sure enough, Ziggy's like standing straight up, like up against the wall, inside the wall. And he's like in his own world. And I was like, Ziggy. And he goes, (gasps) like, like I'm the one shocking him. So. Ready? The lyrics are, Ho, row the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley, yo. Ho, row, people look at me like, Ho, row the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley, yo. The bog down in the valley. Ho, row the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley, yo. Ho, row the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley, yo. Try that again. It sounds pretty good. No, it's it's valley o. No, the ho. Yeah, no, it's not about. It's not about. Yo ho. Rowing, rowing in Echo Park. <laughs> row ho. No, it's ho row. I don't know what that is. It's some kind of Irish thing. So, ho row the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley o. Ho row the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley o. It's gonna just repeat and repeat and repeat. <laughs> After, so it's gonna be like A, B, A, B, call and response. Okay. So. Everybody, one, two, three, four. Ho, row the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley, oh. Ho, row the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley, oh. And in this bog there was a hole, a rare hole, a rattling hole. Hole in the bog, in the bog down in the valley, oh. Ho, row the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley, oh. Down in the valley, oh. 
And in this hole there was a tree, a rare tree, a rattling tree. Tree in the hole, in the hole, in the bog, in the bog, down in the valley, oh. Oh, roll the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley, oh. Oh, roll the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley, oh. And on this tree there was a limb, a rare limb, a rattling limb. Limb on a tree, in a tree, in a hole, in the hole, in the bog, in the bog, down in the valley, oh. Oh, roll the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley, oh. There was a branch, a rare branch, a rattling branch Branch on a tree, and a tree, and a limb A tree, and a hole, and a hole, and a bog, and a bog Down in the valley, oh, 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 oh Thank you, Pete, oh, 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 And on this branch there was a twig, a rare twig, a rattling twig Twig on the branch, and the branch on the limb, and the limb on the tree And the tree, and the hole, and the hole, and the bog, and the bog Down in the valley, oh, 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 the rattling bog A rare nest, a rattling nest. Nest on the twig and the tree and the branch and the branch on the tree and the tree and the tree and the tree and the hole and the hole and the bog and the bog down in the valley. Oh, oh, the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley. Oh, oh, the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley. Oh. And on this nest there was an egg, a rare egg, a rattling egg. In the nest, in the nest, on the twig, in the twig, in the branch, in the branch, on the limb, in the limb, on the tree, in the tree, in the hole, in the hole, in the bog, in the bog, down in the valley. Oh, oh, the rattling bog, bog down in the valley. Oh, oh, the rattling bog, bog down in the valley. Oh. And it, we did the egg, right? Yeah. Just did the egg. Got it. And on that egg there sat a bird, a rare bird, a rattling bird. On the egg and the egg and the nest and the nest and the twig and the twig and the branch and the branch and the limb and the limb and the tree and the tree and the hole and the hole and the bog and the bog down in the valley of oh oh the rattling bog bog down in the valley of oh oh the rattling bog bog down in the valley of and on this bird there was a feather of rare feather rattling feather feather on the bird and the bird on the egg and the egg and the nest and the nest on the twig and the twig and the branch and the branch on the limb and the limb on the tree and the tree and the hole and the hole and the bog and the bog down Short-term memory loss, John. And on this feather there sat a tick, a rare tick, a rattling tick. Tick on the feather, on the feather, on the bird, and the bird, on the egg, and the egg, and the nest, and the nest, and the twig, and the twig, and the branch, and the branch, and the limb, and the limb, and the tree, and the tree, and the hole, and the hole, and the bog, and the bog down in the valley. Oh, oh, the rattling bog, bog down in the valley. Oh, oh, the rattling bog, bog down in the valley. And on this tick there sat a flea, a rare flea, a rattling flea. On the chick and the chick on the feather and the feather on the bird and the bird on the egg and the egg and the nest and the nest on the twig and the twig and the branch and the branch on the limb and the limb on the tree and the tree and the hole and the hole and the bog and the bog down in the valley. There sat a leg, a rare leg, a rattling leg. Leg on the flea and the flea on the chick and the chick on the feather and the feather and the bird and the bird on the egg and the egg and the nest and the nest and the twig and the twig and the branch and the branch and the limb and the limb on the tree and the tree and the hole and the hole and the bog and the bog down in the valley. Oh, oh, rattling bog, bog down in the valley. Oh, oh, rattling bog, bog down in the valley. Oh.
Warrior wore a shoe, rare shoe, a rattling shoe. Shoe on the leg and the leg on the flea, and the flea on the tick and the tick on the feather and the feather on the bird and the bird on the egg and the egg on the nest and the nest on the twig and the twig on the branch and the branch on the limb and the limb on the tree and the tree and the hole and the hole and the bog and the bog and in the valley oh oh rattling bog bog down in the valley oh oh rattling bog bog down in the valley oh and on that shoe there was a heel a rare heel a rattling heel. On the shoe and the shoe on the leg and the leg on the flea and the flea on the tick and the tick on the feather and the feather on the bird and the bird on the egg and the egg on the nest and the nest on the twig and the twig on the branch and the branch on the limb and the limb on the tree and the tree and the hole and the hole and the bog and the bog down in the valley oh oh the rattling bog down in the valley oh oh the rattling bog down in the valley oh and what do you think was on that heel? A fucking nail is what it was. A rare nail, a rattling nail. <laughs> nail in the heel, heel on a shoe. Shoe on the leg, on the leg, on the bee, on the bee, on the chick, and the chick, and the feather, and the feather, and the bird, and the bird, and the egg, and the egg, and the nest, and the nest, and the tree, and the tree, and the branch, and the branch, and the limb, and the limb, and the tree, and the tree, and the hole, and the hole, and the hog, and the hog, and the hog, and the hog, Very special thanks to all of our contributors to this attempt to create a little taste of summer camp. You heard, in order, the Slumber Party Singers singing Fried Ham. Thanks to Naila, Janae, Ruby, Vince, and Anne for sticking around for that one. Joe Hernandez-Kolsky shared about snakes and guns. Tim and Tom Zender sang Michael Row Your Boat Ashore. Ann Claus Farley got caught up in a tug of war and then led the gathered in a rendition of Down by the Bay. Tom Zender shared about Catalina Camp, and the Zender brothers sang Peace Like a River. J.P. Carliac found the Island of Misfit Toys, and Ruby Farley found Ziggy hiding in the wall. Our sing-along finale was almost all of the Live from the Lounge team actually recording Live from the Lounge for the first time ever. You heard John Ballinger leading Anne, Ruby, Vincent, Matt, Carol, Olivia, and me in the Rattlin' Bog. Hey, welcome back. It's time for the dinner and a movie segment. I'm here with my lovely wife, Anne Kloss Farley. Welcome, Anne. Are you ready for the summer? Are you ready for the good times? Good times. Hi. <laughs> I don't think there's anybody on the planet who I've seen more movies with than you. We've seen seen movies together. We've made love watching movies. We've taken our babies to movies. Like I think Vice's first movie was Gladiator. Gladiator, three <laughs> weeks old. At the Cinerama Dome. <laughs> yeah. And he slept through it. Took Monomena in a purse when he was a couple weeks old. That's right. Got to start your dachshund's life right. Anyways, this month we're looking at summer camp movies. Woohoo! It's kind of fallen out of fashion. We were doing some research and looking, and there aren't many that have been made recently. But in the late 70s, early 80s, it was a staple. Yeah. 
If you wanted to go scary, you'd go Friday the 13th. Oh, yeah. I saw that a zillion times. Or Sleepaway Camp. Yeah. No, thanks. Yeah. I'm never a big, big fan of those slasher movies either. And on the sweeter side, there's like Camp Beverly Hills, which I believe ruined Shelley Long's career. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Shelley Long's always cool, though. And recently, actually, there was a, a great sort of homage to the 70s sleepaway camp movies called Wet Hot American Summer. So funny. So good. That movie is crazy good. But we're here to talk about one of my favorite summer camp movies of all time. It's the 1979 Ivan Reitman film Meatballs, starring Bill Murray in his first ever starring role. Crazy old Murray. <laughs> <laughs> and this would start a series of, of movies for both Bill Murray and Ivan Reitman. Which are? Meatballs, Caddyshack, Stripes, Tootsie, Ghostbusters. He's a fortunate son, that is for sure. An amazing run. But this is where it starts. Yeah. This sweet little movie about going away to summer camp. I f- love this movie because it is such a reminder to me of what my summer camp experience was. And even seeing it at the time when it came out, it was like, holy crap, it was like somebody was there with a camera. It's a very, very light story. It's kind of a poor man's summer camp. And across the lake is like the rich Camp Mohawk where all the sort of privileged preppies go. And it's sort of the scrappy kids versus the privileged kids. But really, it's just a movie about a relationship between Jack Tripp, the Bill Murray character, and this little kid, Rudy, who comes in as a very, very homesick little kid. And that was kind of me. And then I became, as I grew older, kind of grew into the older 16, 17, 18-year-old who was responsible for the little six, seven, and eight-year-olds coming to summer camp. So it's a delightful movie. Um... And a really sweet one. It's just a very natural film. They're all regular people, regular faces. The women don't have makeup on. The guys, of course, you know, it's an all-white cast. And and, uh, they're noticeably uh, appropriating afros of the 70s. And and it's it's just such a period piece, but it's very organic. And, um, and you don't get that anymore in movies. You don't get this realistic POV of what people actually look like. Because there's a lot of really genuine relationships in this film that we, we have exchanged for artificial relationships and narration in movies now. They're really laughing. They're really having a good time. This cast is actually living the camp world, and you can tell. It hits all of the tropes of summer camp, too. There's the campfire. The kayaking out on the lake at night. The summer loves. Well, I love all the mischievousness, like all the pranks. I mean, that's me, my heart. I'm like a big prankster, and I love mischievous anything. And and that's a delight to see. It's got everything that summer camp is, including one of the greatest inspirational speeches ever committed to film. Even if we win, even if we play so far over our heads, that our noses bleed for a week to 10 days, even if God in heaven above comes down and points his hand at our side of the field, even if every man, woman, and child held hands together and prayed for us to win, it just wouldn't matter because all the really good-looking girls would still go out with the guys from Mohawk because they got all the money. It just doesn't matter if we win or we lose. 
just doesn't matter. Just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter, <laughs> Keith. <laughs> That's another influence that uh, Meatballs has on me to this day. The just doesn't matter speech is one that I will pull out any day of the week for any occasion. Hey, he's very much inspired me. I'm really good in the room, as Keith will tell you. I'm really good at ad-libbing speeches and revving people up. When I first saw this movie, I was like, I'm going to be that type of person. You know, I'll never forget, you know, going into a in and out And I think there was 200 people waiting in line. And my everybody was uncomfortable. And I got my number. And finally, after an hour and a half, they called my number. And I just screamed out, like, I won. Oh, my God. You guys are amazing. And the kids were like, oh, Mom, you're so crazy. They were laughing. And I had said to them, I'm like, I'm channeling my inner Bill Murray. <laughs> So for all the sweetness of this movie, and it is filled with a, a ton of sweetness and mischief, there are some things that don't really hold up 40 plus years later. Yeah, it can be kind of awkward. Um, all white cast, there's no diversity. So Not. you recognize the classism right away. And, um, and, uh, and you know, the appropriation. Yeah, Camp Mohawk. Look. It's a camp that yeah, is... they're an Indian, you know, mascotting. And, and there's a lot of sexism. And, and Bill Murray crosses a line or two in his character in a couple of scenes where it says there's a lot of sexual harassment scenes and the misogyny comes out in the dialogue. Uh, but it is, a, it's a period piece. Uh, you know, you, you see that often in 70s films and this kind of dialogue that is reflecting where society is. And I think when you watch it now, you're like, oh, cringe, oh, cringe. But it still doesn't take away from how sweet the story is. It's a little cringy. It's cringy. Can't deny some of the cringy elements, but um, I think ultimately taken as a whole, the sweetness kind of makes up for it. The story itself between Rudy and Tripper is a sweet one, you know, which I often think, too, that we miss out today in these intergenerational mentorships. I mean, I've always been lucky enough to have people of all ages in my life inspire me from babies to our uh, our elders. Um, you know, a lot of the fear in our society has taken summer, this kind of summer camp apart. And that's a shame. So if we're going to pair it with any dish on the planet. Um... Meatballs. <laughs> what could it possibly be other than meatballs? So we'll pair it with a, a recipe for meatballs. I found a great one uh, online on Gimme Some Oven. Uh, you sort of make a mix with some panko, add some milk to that for, as a binding agent, a pound of ground beef, a pound of ground pork, and you can also use pork sausage, which will make it really, really tasty. You throw some garlic in there, a couple of eggs, some Parmesan cheese, and then some chopped herbs and maybe just a yellow onion and a little bit of uh, red pepper flakes. Mm, I can smell it right now. And the key to the meatball, in case you don't know, is to not handle it too much. You want just a really loose packed Oh, is meatball. that why I ruin it all the time? Do you try to pack them too I, hard? I, I'm a crumbler. You should know person. by now. I'm sorry. Don't squeeze the balls. <laughs> Note to self. Note to self. <laughs> so, yeah, a light packing of those meatballs. And if you're one of our friends who uh, is on the keto diet, you can substitute those panko breadcrumbs with mozzarella cheese. More, more cheese. More cheese is better. Mm -hmm. uh, and then if you're one of our vegetarian friends, then we've got us, we're going to throw up a wheat ball recipe, uh, which is a little more work. You're starting to get towards a, um, uh, like a falafel when you're making wheat balls, but you can still throw them in a nice tomato sauce. 
Uh, and if you're vegetarian, with a little bit of cheese. And if you're vegan, without it. So there's lots of ways to enjoy a pretty simple dish, really. It's just a matter of mixing the ingredients in a bowl, shaping them into balls, putting them on a tray uh, with some parchment paper, throw them in an oven, bake them for a little bit, and uh, enjoy meatballs and meatballs. Perfection. <laughs> Thanks for joining me, Anne. You're welcome. I always have fun in here. Lots more movies to come with you and I. Yep. What are we watching tonight? Raiders. <laughs> with so many of us working from home, now is a great time to adopt a pet from L.A. Animal Services. With six animal service centers throughout the city, L.A. Animal Services has dogs, cats, rabbits, hamsters, turtles, guinea pigs, chickens, and more available for adoption and ready to join your family. If you're not ready for that kind of commitment, consider fostering a cat or a dog for a couple weeks. There are huge benefits for the animals. Studies show that time in a house is a huge stress reliever for animals. Plus, you'll be able to get great networking photos and videos of your furry house guests during their stay. And when you go out to run errands or take walks, they'll be exposed to a whole new neighborhood of potential families. If you're lucky enough to already have a pet, LA Animal Services has lots of benefits for you and your furry friends. All city residents are eligible for multiple vouchers for free or low-cost spay and neuter services, and every month there are virtual advice sessions to help families with their questions, doggy dialogues, cat chats, and rabbit roundtables. And if you need assistance feeding your animal companion, you can make an appointment for the Pet Food Pantry in Van Nuys or South Los Angeles every Sunday from 1 to 4. To see adoptable pets and make appointments for services, go to laanimalservices.com or call 888-452-7381. If you stop to think about it, it's amazing that anyone would ever volunteer to send their children away to summer camp, especially in today's age of rampant parent noia. Yet I see Osprey-level helicopter parents bat nary an eye as they willfully send their 8-, 9-, and 10-year-olds away to locations in the mountains that they've likely never visited. Places with eyebrow-raising amenities, far away from creature comforts where their little ones will hike questionable mountain trails, swim in murky lakes, climb rocks, play with bows and arrows, and work with leather. At the end of each day... Their kids will sit around a roaring fire with no one to protect them except other kids who are just a couple years older than their own. Kids who are responsible not just for their kid, but for six or seven others who behave just like them. Yes, that high school junior is responsible for the health and safety of 8 to 12 third graders each week. And his 22-year-old supervisor is likely looking after 30 to 40 kids at a time. How is this prospect sustainable? And yet... Somehow, it is. Somehow, kids taking care of other kids for weeks at a time at a remote location in the mountains is something we, as a society, simply accept. It's a welcome, collective blind spot that might be attributed to the demands of a modern lifestyle, where parents need to keep working and the kids need something to do when they're not in school. It might be the call of the wild, for there is a healthy amount of wildness in us, especially in our youth, and it calls out to be satisfied. Whatever the reason, I'm glad that summer camps have managed to survive. I mostly enjoyed my summer camp experiences. 
I was that kid that was always a little homesick for a day or two. But I learned a lot at summer camps. I learned to read music. My family moved from Long Beach to Sacramento in the winter of my fifth grade year, and the band program in Sacramento was way ahead of where the program had been at Mark Twain Elementary. They were already reading music, whereas I was playing the trombone off of sheets that simply marked which position my slide should be in. Fortunately, I'd had a little instruction on the piano, so I vaguely understood rhythm, but I was way out of my depth, identifying the notes on the staff and corresponding them to the noise coming out of the bell of my horn. But, rather than admit that I didn't know what I was doing, I adapted. I watched the players next to me and did exactly what they did. Somehow, I got by. After my sixth grade year, my parents sent me to band camp, which was, sadly, not at all like the one depicted in American Pie. I was part of the concert band in the mornings, which allowed me to continue my copycat playing. But jazz band was in the afternoon. And in jazz band, it's one musician to a part. Period. My strategy, mostly, was just to pretend to play. But the conductor, of course, noticed. I'm not hearing that F in the trombone section. Who's got that part? I knew it was me that was not playing the F because I was not playing at all just moving the slide around silently and hoping I wouldn't get busted before the week was over, but no such luck. The guy playing trombone Juan looked over at my music and pointed to the spot on the page. It's you, man. It's you. That F right there. I looked intensely at the dot on the second line from the top of the bass clef, a combination of panic and dread rising behind my eyes and in my chest. That's the F I'm not playing. That's the F I'm not playing. That's... That's an F. First position. So the space above it must be a G. That's fourth. The one below it is an E. No, E flat. Third position. And suddenly, the bass clef expanded before my eyes, moving away from the line that represents F like an iris in an old silent movie. And I suddenly understood how all the lines and spaces on the page related to F and consequently to the positions on my trombone slide. Uh, sorry, that was my fault. Can you play that line for me? Um, okay. And I found that suddenly I could. I was able to read the roadmap of musical notation, and I followed it across and down the page. Not perfectly, mind you. It wasn't a miracle, but well enough and better every day. I returned home from that week away as a moderately proficient player of the trombone. In high school, I spent three weeks away at a leadership training camp. It was there I learned how to play the guitar, Sort of. Uh, My friends Tammy, Cindy, and I were determined to learn the chords D, A, C, and G. So Cindy wrote a song called D-A-C-G, and we played it over and over. This is Tammy's song. This is Cindy's song. Everybody sing along. It goes D-A-C-G. It goes d a, C, G, etc., etc. I learned that you can calculate attention span by allocating one minute for each year of age up to 20. 
Five-year-olds need to change things up every five minutes, 10-year-olds every 10. Fortunately, that's as easy as turning a page on a picture book or singing a new song or shifting location or changing activity. You ever wonder why TED Talks all fall right around the 20-minute mark? Now you know. One night after dinner, we hiked by moonlight deep into the forest and climbed to a rocky peak in order to lay on our backs and stare at a meteor shower. Deep conversations were bound to follow. We stayed there for hours, discussing whether it might be possible to reconcile the stories of creation with science. We were fortunate that the conversation was moderated by well-read and thoughtful adults, folks just a few years older than we were. Until then, I'd always accepted that you either believed Genesis as a fact or that you believed in the Big Bang Theory. It was creationism versus Darwinism in a cage match where only one could emerge victorious. But I came down that mountain with an understanding of the possibility that evolution and astronomy might be the way we observe the ongoing process of creation in the world around us. And we sang. A lot. We sang not only for our suppers, but for our breakfasts and lunches, too. Every gathering began with 10 to 15 minutes of singing, usually starting with raucous, up-tempo tunes and winding down with more mellow ones to prepare our minds to listen and reflect. And yes, Kumbaya was sung many, many times around many, many fires. Kumbaya is not without its problems, which we'll talk about in a minute, but I think it's getting a bad rap these days. It's thought of as a wimpy song about an unrealistic worldview where everybody just gets along, man. Witness these recent quotes. Speaking out against a program that would pay students for national service, evangelical leader Rick Santorum said, Someone's going to pick up trash in a park and sing Kumbaya around a campfire and then you're going to give them 90% of the benefits of the GI Bill? That's not what America's all about. The late Herman Cain, who died last summer of COVID-19 shortly after he attended an indoor political rally without a mask, said, Kumbaya is not a foreign policy strategy. Barack Obama said something similar with regards to his relationship with the Prime Minister of Israel. This can't be reduced somehow to a matter of let's all hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Well, the right, of course. Peace treaties don't get signed because world leaders sing Kumbaya. Is there anyone who thinks that they do? Why even mention it? Kumbaya is a spiritual that comes from the Gullah Geechee culture of the islands off South Carolina and Georgia. The title is simply a phonetic spelling of the way the words come by here shift when spoken in this dialect. Come by here becomes come by here becomes Kumbaya. Kumbaya, Kumbaya, Kumbaya. The song has ties to the slave trade and was likely sung by slaves as a cry for divine intervention on behalf of an oppressed people. The song was first recorded in 1926, right about the time the Ku Klux Klan was rising in the South and installing statues of Confederate generals in public parks and state houses. Kumbaya quickly became a staple song of protests and marches against racism, labor exploitation, lynchings, and ultimately, the civil rights struggles of the 1950s and 60s, which led 
to the signing of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act of 1965. The result of people taking to the streets, frequently holding hands and singing kumbaya, was that buses, lunch counters, schools, hotels, and public parks were desegregated, and the President of the United States signed into law two bills that radically expanded freedom in America. Kumbaya is a soothing song, but it's also the song of the organizer. Come here. Someone's marching. Come here. Someone's crying. Come here. We're singing and dancing and laughing. Kumbaya has been successfully used over and over as part of people's collective action against injustice. Maybe that's why the politicians are so afraid of it. My only beef with Kumbaya is the use of the term, my lord. Not because I have any beef with anyone's spirituality. I absolutely don't. But a lord is just a regular person who gets to feel superior to other people because someone lucky enough to be born into a particular family told them that they can. I find this practice both nauseating and laughable. Lord also hints at the master-slave relationship with a higher power, and I really think it's time for that idea to pass on. So in this reclaiming of Kumbaya, let's eliminate the ideas of masters and slaves, of lords and ladies, and focus instead on the idea of community at the center of the song. It's both a recognition of and a call to experience together everything we do that makes us human. In our laughing, crying, living, and dying, we are more alike than we are different. Kumbaya welcomes all. It's a simple song. Anyone can learn it. Everyone can sing it. And when we learn to live it, it's possible that the world will change for the better. It's happened before. Bye.
inside and refill that sun tea. And while you're there, we hope you'll head over to livefromtheloungepodcast.com and make a small donation to help keep this show coming to you month in and month out. It's also the best place to keep up with our blog, recipes, movie recommendations, and information about the talented people you heard on the show today. Here's the who did what. The Lounge is produced by Anne Kloss Farley. Matt Almos and Carolyn Almos are our head writers. They wrote our summer camp radio play. And you heard Matt as dad, Carol as mom, and Albert Dan and his son Henry as our Kevins. John Ballinger is our musical director. He arranged and let us in the Rattlin' Bog. His album Blue Room is available on Spotify. Double Batch Daddy arranged and performed Firework. Double Batch Daddy is Cal on vocals and bass, Dutch on vocals and guitar, and Bax on drums. They got three gigs this month as a part of the Free Parks After Dark program presented by the County of Los Angeles Department of Parks and Recreation. They'll be at Charter Oak Park on July 10th, Helen Keller Park on July 17th, and Alan J. Martin Park on July 31st. Check out our website for all the details. And I'm your host, Keith Farley. We'll be back in a month or so with another collection of stories, songs, and conversations, all intuitively designed to help you to learn, to love, to lounge.